Hello and welcome to Happy Place. I'm Fern Cotton and this is the place where we can explore new adventures that might lead to happiness. Today I'm chatting to a multi-talented man, it's Joe Sugg. I wonder if it's almost something like planted in our culture of being like, oh no, no, you can't be something else. You, you're a YouTuber and you always will be a YouTuber. Why are you trying to become now something else? And I, I've, I've been a big believer in you should never box yourself into one thing. Make the most of of the time you got on this earth and just try everything. Joe is an internet sensation, and I don't use that word lightly. He was among the first handful of YouTubers to find success on the platform. As Thatcher Joe, he had a million subscribers within two years of launching his channel. But in recent years, he's been entirely unafraid to do things and be a person his fans might not have expected. Used to being on screen, he recently made his acting debut in BBC's The Syndicate. He was runner-up on series 16 of Strictly Come Dancing, where he was partnered with now-girlfriend Diane Buswell. He went on to continue to dance in West End musical Waitress, and now he's releasing his own music too. He's even written a graphic novel series and runs his own management company as well. Somehow, I truly do not know how, Joe found time to chat to me towards the end of the last lockdown. And I'm so grateful that he did because I feel like we can all learn a lot about being courageous from his refusal to be put in a box. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. All right, let's do it. Here is the show. Hello, Joe Sugg. Hello, how are you? Joe, I'm I'm really good. We've never met, so this is lovely to sort of half meet digitally today. I I, I feel like I know you really well. Same already. <laughs> I, mean, I know your sister, and your sister's been on Happy Place before, obviously, which was lovely. We just need to get your mum on next, don't we? Yeah, really? I know, and, get the uh, whole family. Yeah, on. <laughs> I know. Um, how are you bearing up? I know. Well, again, from sort of stalking you on Instagram, your girlfriend's in Australia at the moment. How are you holding up? I'm holding up all right. I'm I'm more concerned about her to be honest because she's she's in a, like a two week quarantine in a hotel room and you can't even open a window. You can't leave your door. Mad. She's um she's been uploading videos like every day of her sort of what it's like to be in a two week quarantine and it's uh I think she's so entertaining to watch. She's so uh, unusually funny. There's a moment where she saw like a stormtrooper <laughs> outfit across on another balcony across the way. She hasn't got much like pop culture knowledge like so she thought it was like a, a fencing outfit and then everyone in the comments are like no that's a stormtrooper <laughs> from star wars that is so wonderful i guess but also she might just be going mad could be the other thing maybe i think i do you know what? i was thinking i i would struggle big time i wouldn't be able to do it i don't think no Two weeks, I, I feel bad enough sometimes like being stuck in like for me with what i do spending time at my laptop for ages editing makes me feel like I just need to get outside and go for a walk, but she can't even do that. 
But the good thing is she's seeing her fam- like she's got her family that she's going to see afterwards, which I think is what is really sort of getting her through it. She's got to keep the goal in sight because I think the, the thing that terrifies me about that situation is that I know I actively distract myself constantly because it's so much easier than having to deal with my own brain yeah. and like just the thoughts that will appear. Yeah. And if I just keep doing a podcast and after this I've got a meeting and then I'll go and get the kids from school and I'm just, you know, distracted in the nicest possible way. But having all of that taken away from me, I I can't even think about it. It's too much. Some people m- might find it easier, but for me that is just, no, I could not deal with that. Yeah, like having, a, having a routine I think is so important. I think, yeah, when you go from like what your normal routine is to then what I guess she's sort of going through, yeah, I think I'd really struggle with it. I find it really unusual, especially when you can't you can't just go out to the shops or go for a, a walk. You've got just to stay inside air. and order things to your to your room, yeah, or just to get air. Because as well, I think it's out there in Australia. It's still it's their winter, but their winter's still basically yeah. like our summer. I think yeah, exactly. So it's, so it's it's got like cold air being pumped in from aircon. I'm a windows down Same. kind of guy rather than aircon. I hate aircon. I can't do aircon. Yeah. I would struggle. Yeah, well, we wish her well and, you know, it will be so worth it to see her family in the end. Is there a small part of you knowing, again, from stalking you on Instagram, uh, that you're a neat person like me, that is there a part of you enjoying the element of control you have in your own house at the moment with where everything is? Yeah, I, th- I, mean, I think so. I'm a, I'm a Virgo. So Same. When, when, so, like, for me, I think there is something there about the fact that I am quite neat. I'm the sort of person that when, whenever I've got, like, a new thing or a new computer game, for example... I had to tidy my room before I play it. Yeah. Even though I have it in my hands and I could just play it, I have to have a clean room before I play a game. Yes, no, that is me. No, I have the... What date of, are you September? I'm September the 8th, so I'm early September. Okay, so I'm the 3rd. So we are we are the same person, essentially, yeah. here, Joe. <laughs> and my daughter's the 9th of September, and she's the same. And she's five, and she's the same. Yeah. And I, like, if I'm about to do a podcast or I'm doing some writing, I'll definitely have to clean the kitchen first. There's no way I'm starting anything unless everything around me is where it should be. I can't mentally deal with chaos and then focusing my brain. We're weird, aren't we, Virgos? Yeah. I I see, like, so many, like, posts on things like Instagram and stuff sort of saying the attributes and, like, the things that Virgos do. And... Every time I see them, I'm always like, that is me. But the thing is, I don't really know anything about any of this. I couldn't tell you what star signs before or after ours. No, I agree. I, I align with every single Virgo trait, like embarrassingly so. It's outrageous. And of course, you know, I know all this stuff, as we've said, because I follow you on Instagram and, and the plethora of the ways that we can now see your life unfurl, whether it's social media or, or YouTube. And of course, you're one of the original YouTubers. You know, right after the conception of YouTube, you were there posting your videos along with your sister. What was the catalyst? Like, what made, cause, you know, at the time there wasn't a movement in YouTube, YouTubing. People, it wasn't a sort of a thing then. So what made you and Zoe think, I'm going to just do some videos and put them online? What was it about that that drew you both in? I mean, I think both our parents are very creative. Like, my mum is super good at, like, art and, like, she's really good at watercolour and sort of crafts and arts and crafts and stuff. And my dad, he's got a good sort of comedy brain as well. And, like, throughout my career, I've done, like, different voices and impressions and things like that. And I know for a fact that I get that from my dad and the artistic sort of crafty side from my mum. And I think that got passed down to me and my sister a lot when we were kids. And we grew up in a a very small village uh, in Wiltshire, and uh, there wasn't a lot to do. And we were sort of outside the village slightly. So 
we had to sort of make up our own fun. And we, me and Zoe are actually quite similar in age. Like she's only one one year above me. So we were always sort of putting on our own plays or getting creative in that sort of sense of like entertaining people. So whenever we had like friends come over, we would make them get involved in our like theatre productions and, and things like that, which I'm sure a lot of other kids did. But Oh, I did. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I feel like my sister was very much like the director in that sense. Mm. She would she would organise everything. She would make sure the equipment was running, filming it all. And, and we even like used to, we used to spend our pocket money on blank cassette tapes. Cause do you remember the days we could buy like the sets of like blank cassette tapes? Oh yeah, I was, I was obsessed. We used to buy those and record our, like our own sort of radio stations as well. And our own, I guess like a scripted kind of podcast way. We'd do like our own sort of, we play characters. I remember there was one time where we roped our cousins in to, this is the era where hearsay were like, number one in the charts with Pure and Simple. And we were so obsessed with them. We, we'd pick who we were. And I was Noel. And then Zoe was Kim. <laughs> and we got our cousins to play the others as well. And we'd pretend that we were in pop stars, like pretending that we were them. Wow. And, it, and it's like to that sort of level. So I guess like we were always sort of a bit weird, bit creative like Not that. Not weird. But- like, I'm grinning because I did the same. I mean, I'm older than you. So this was, you know, cassettes were really quite forward thinking when I was doing yeah. this. And... I would get me, my cousin Bieber and my brother Jamie to to record radio shows with me on cassette. And I was obviously like the dominant bossy one. And I was the host and my brother would be doing travel and Bieber would do weather. (laughs) So they had like teeny parts and I would be driving the whole thing. And it's, it's so funny how you could sort of see the conception of where you were starting out before you even knew that's what you wanted to do. So so this for you morphed into, oh, there's a new thing called YouTube. That makes sense for me to just put that out and the stuff I'm making can be seen. It kind of came a lot later because we, I mean, we, we were like that as kids growing up and then we still stayed quite sort of arty and crafty at school as well. We did, like, for, for both of us, I think the more creative subjects was definitely our strong point. Awful at maths, all right at science and, and English, but maths was a no-no for me. But then I went on to become a roof thatcher afterwards. So my uncle was, um, I got a couple of uncles that are qualified roof thatchers. It came to work experience week. And I was like, to be honest, I, I really enjoy doing the arts, arty stuff. But in a way, I kind of see that in roof thatching because not no one else in my school was doing it. Everyone was sort of going off to do work in pubs or maybe not pubs, I think they're too young for that, but like restaurants and then cafes and stuff. And I was like, I want to give this a go. So I, I tried it and I absolutely loved it. And I, and I ended up I ended up doing my A-levels knowing that I was going to still go and become a full-time roof thatcher, but I just wanted to have A-levels as kind of like a backup just in case. And so I, st- I started doing roof thatching for like what I thought was going to be my entire life. And this is when Zoe was just sort of starting to get into blogging. So it was blogging before vlogging. And I remember her making her first video and thinking like, this is so cool. And she was sort of saying, you know, you should give this a go. Her and Alfie, who's now her boyfriend, I watched his video as well and I thought that's sort of definitely sort of something that I think I would, if I was going to do YouTube and give it a go, I would do videos more like that, I think, than obviously what my sister was doing at the time. But they're just, just sort of seeing how she did it in terms of like filming it all, editing it all, and then uploading it all and promoting it and all that kind of stuff. I found it fascinating. So I gave it a go in my spare time. Uh, so I'd work five days a week on the roof. And then on the weekends, I would borrow her camera, her laptop. Actually, she edited my first two or three videos because I just didn't know how to do it. For me, I was quite lucky because Zoe already started to get a bit of an audience beforehand. A lot of that audience came across and sort of watched my first video. So it wasn't like a case of putting your first video out and just getting like two or three views. I was quite lucky in the fact that it sort of got a thousand views 
like in the first week or whatever. But we just found it fascinating that there's people from all over the world that could watch this content and engage with it. And everyone was like super nice about it as well. It was all like everything was very like encouraging and we love these videos, please do more and it was kind of stuff. So it, it was a it was a really nice time to sort of start it when we did. And when that momentum started building, because obviously quite quickly, both of you gained this momentum and, and this following and a really engaged audience who wanted to see what you're going to put out there next. And you can almost quantify your popularity because you're seeing these numbers of this amount of people have watched my video. These are the comments that are being left. How did that affect you? Because that's, that's sort of something that obviously you wouldn't have had to deal with previously. And as you're saying, it was all positive, but did it affect you in a way where you started to believe that had some bearing on your self-worth. You know, the more numbers, the better, or the more popular I am, I'll feel better about myself or life. And you know, did, did that come into play? Yeah, definitely. I think it's, uh, to start off with, I absolutely loved it. Because I, I was like, you know, th- this, this is great. I've never had this many people care about what I do. And some of them are from like Brazil, some of them are from all over the world. This is amazing, like Australia. So I absolutely loved it to begin with. But then it gets to a point where you're kind of like, I think with everything, because in a way it sort of started out very much like a hobby. We were do, really sort of doing it for fun. Never really sort of saw it as like a, a business thing. Like like I said, I was still roof thatching five days a week and just doing it as a on the side kind of thing. But then it gets to a point where I think in your own mind, you want to make sure every video is more popular than the last video. Whereas if you have that, like thinking about it now, if you have that mindset, there's always going to get to, a, you can't just keep, I guess, always going up, 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 up. There's going to get to a point where it does plateau, you have one that's a bad week or things like that. And years on down the line, it definitely did get to a point where I was like, getting like a bit of like, a, I guess like an anxiousness around uploading, thinking like, what if this does not go down well? It's so hard to read now, what's going to do well on the internet? And obviously, as I'm getting older, my audience is also getting older as well. So it's like, how do you, because we weren't, we weren't sort of trained in this as well. Like going back to the, like what you said before about us sort of being, like, I guess, like the, one of the first groups to sort of jump on this whole YouTube thing. It very much felt like we were sort of like leading the, the frontier of and just sort of winging it and guessing it and just trying to work it out as we, as we went along. Whereas I think now with new upcoming creators, there's not an easier pathway. So I think it's, if anything, more difficult now to get to the sort of size that we, we managed to get to online. It's, it's a lot more sort of saturated. But I think if I started now, I'd be able to sort of see, OK, this is where it could end up. Whereas when we started, we had no idea it could get to the size that it would get to. Yeah, so you're sort of, you were dealing with it on the job, like learning how to cope with that. And then, you know, not long after, along comes social media. So you've got another way to see if people like you, if you're popular. And there's this sort of, the notion of popularity is obviously been sort of so warped over the years because we used to just have that concept at school you know are you the popular kid or are you in the popular gang and now there's this sort of thing on mass that we're all trying to deal with which is you know everybody can see how many followers how many views of a video so it's not only you dealing with it but it's you trying to work out what that means to other people and, and if they're judging you and, and how they think about you and that is a huge bearing for everybody I mean how have you got your head around that? It is difficult because like, I guess it's so transparent. So like when we put a video out, everyone can see whether it's successful or not. And then I think especially like nowadays, when I put like a video out now, it, in my head, I'm like, obviously it's not going to sort of get the numbers that it got when I was a lot younger and making the sort of content that I made four or five years ago. And like nowadays I make videos in my garden, giving updates on like an apple tree that I'm trying to grow in my garden. <laughs> so I'm like, 
I know that millions of people aren't going to be interested in, in me growing an apple tree in the garden or what I'm up to in the garden. But there's still some people out there that ex- that see you still as that person you were all those years ago in a way. And so they still expect you to be sort of hitting those those numbers every time. And, and so they sort of see, oh, it's nowhere near what you used to get and, and obviously can leave comments and stuff, which for me is like, it, it doesn't it doesn't bother me because in my head, I understand, you know, I'm not making the same stuff I made all those years ago and I'm a lot older now. But I can kind of understand why they think that because I guess like when you go on YouTube and you start, if you watch one of my videos, it will recommend you a load more. And those videos being recommended are videos from years ago. And so I always think it's it's unusual with YouTube and online because your whole back catalogue is still there to watch. So I always think like one, people, someone might watch and think, if they only watch your old stuff and they saw you in the street, they might still think that you're that sort of age. And you know, it's, 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 quite an, it's quite an unusual thing to sort of get your head around, I guess. Yeah, because I guess sometimes people want you just to, well, it's like everything, any, anyone in the, in the public eye or anyone known in whatever way, there's an element of people wanting you to be what they know you as. I mean, I certainly felt that coming from kids TV. And it took me years for people to stop thinking I was 15 like well into my 30s. I was like, I'm not, I don't do, I'm like an, I'm a, I have kids, you know, I'm like a grown woman. And it's funny how often people just want you to stay as that one thing they know you as. And of course, you're not in that place. You were in that zeitgeist moment of when you YouTubers were like doing new things and everyone was catching on to it and loving it. And now you're saying, you know, it's an oversaturated market and there's, you know, everybody's sort of doing YouTube. And that then I guess gives you maybe permission to feel like you can explore other areas. You don't have to stay where you started. It's it's an opportunity for you to look at where you then go next. But I imagine that's quite scary at the same time. It, it is, yeah. It's a little bit scary because you're sort of thinking, right, I feel like I'm almost sort of starting from scratch if I'm going to go down a different route and try something new. But I think that's, that's for me, is what keeps it also quite exciting as well. But I completely agree with, like, there are a lot of people that still want to... I wonder if it's almost something like planted in our culture of being like oh no no you can't be something else no you you, you're a youtuber and you always will be a youtuber why are you trying to become now something else and i've i've been a big believer in you should never box yourself into one thing make the most of of the time you got on this earth and just try everything so i've dipped my toe into into music into acting voice acting loads of different things because i'm like i would much rather go through life thinking oh at least i tried those things and had a go at it than think, oh, what if I did that? I I agree. Like, life's so boring if you just judge someone on the basis that they've got to stay the same. Like, how weird. And it does, I think it falls more into the sort of category perhaps you're in or maybe where I came from, from doing presenting and now doing other stuff. Whereas, like, one of my best friends in the world worked in the city for years and was completely unhappy and always had this dream of becoming a makeup artist. And now she's the most phenomenal, you know, cruelty-free, vegan makeup artist out there. But she's not being judged. Like, well, you can't be a makeup artist. She used to be a banker. You know, it's, it's, it's a strange one when you take it out of context and look at it in other areas. And I agree. I think, you know, if there is an opportunity to try something new and you feel in the right headspace to do it, why would you not? Like, that's so exciting. Before we get onto all the new stuff you're doing, there's so many things I want to unpick with you because of your level of experience in the world of online and how I think many of us are sort of still feeling in a state of flux, dealing with it and trying to move forward in this world. 
First of all, one thing I'm interested in, because there, I'm sure there still is, but there was such a huge pressure for you to continuously create new content and keep people hooked into what you were doing. Did that make you in any way sort of lazy when you were off camera? Like, oh, I'm not going to bother doing anything new if I'm not filming it for others. Or did you keep things back for yourself that, that weren't seen? Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I think has been so important for for me and I think I think me and my sister are very good at it is like we're good at sort of knowing like what's okay to share with an audience and what's not I think there's certain moments in my life and things where I've been at like for example I saw my friends recently to watch the football and I haven't seen them for like for two years I think because of the pandemic and they're like my friends from back home like I chat them every day on on like the, the group chat and stuff and like there's certain moments there where I'm kind of like I know this would make great content because people love to sort of see your personal life and the, the more you sort of show them the more they'd enjoy it and also a lot of the time the more you share your audience it can also mean you get more sort of hits on your video i can film tiny bits of the day but there's certain i, I don't want to be always having a camera out during that moment because i just want to it's one of those moments where you just want to enjoy it for yourself and have a good catch up without having a camera in someone's face so it, i think since I've started, I've always been quite good at sort of judging when to sort of get the camera out and when to put it away and sort of, you know, ask people if, if they're okay with being on camera because that's the last thing you want is to get a camera out and, and it instantly becomes like awkward, which has happened in the past sometimes. And so it's like you gauge when's the right time and what to put in. And I guess as well, like especially with the, like the vlog stuff where you're, you are showing your sort of personal life, you're showing a whole day's worth of footage, but it's condensed down to like 10 minutes. So you're not actually putting everything, everything in there as well. The editing as well is important because you go through and I just think, actually, uh, I don't know if I want to put that bit in. I'll take that bit out. And so like the editing is, that's what I still do my own editing on the vlogs because I just want to make sure that, you know, I'm making sure that it's stuff that I want to put out there and stuff that I'm comfortable with sharing. So you seem to have a, a pretty good balance with that about, you know, what you keep back for yourself. But how, I mean, is there any level of discipline with how much you look at the feedback you're getting? Because I have to almost treat myself like a sort of small puppy and go, right, you are, my phone's going off at nine and I'm not allowed to even turn it back on until my kids have eaten breakfast. Because we're all going to be, to some extent, addicted or to fall into that pull of wanting to have a look. Do you set boundaries for yourself around it? On my phone, I have a limiter on every single app right. that I use. Yeah, I've I I started. I did it quite a while ago actually, and it, it, for me, it really helps because it I, to start with, you do have those moments where you're like, oh, do you know what, fifteen more minutes, or turn off for the rest of the day. But then after a while, you you start. It's like I tell myself off. I'm like, right, I did that. I've still just scrolled. Why have I done that? So now now I'm like, I'm I've set myself to like an hour a day on certain apps and like half an hour on certain apps. And then I know I'm at the position now where I know the only time I'm using those apps now is to do something creative or productive, which has helped me a lot, I think, with like social media and stuff. Because otherwise, especially like the start of last year, it was a lot of just scrolling, scrolling, seeing what everyone else was obviously up to during this sort of time and how they were spending their time inside. And I was thinking like, why, why? In a way, in the nicest way possible, why do I, why do I care so much? I don't want to like look back and think I spent all my time looking at other people's lives rather than focus on my own. Without sounding too selfish. No, I think it's human nature, isn't it? I think it's human nature that we're part curious. 
we're part trying to work out where we fit into the world. You know, am I like this person or not, not like that person? We're probably subliminally, sort of subconsciously doing it all the time. But social media, especially during that first bit of the pandemic where none of us knew what the hell was going on and we were just sort of at home going, what now? I think we all fell into that and we probably learned some stuff and all wasted quite a lot of time as well. Which I, I think is okay to begin with. But I was like, there was times where I was like, I need to be doing something. But then again, if you don't want to do anything, that's completely fine. I guess it's up to everyone how they, what makes them feel better, I guess, because it was so, such a weird, <laughs> a weird, weird year. I know, but don't you think also, it, I mean, maybe it's been exacerbated because of the pandemic that we're so used to thinking that other people's business is our business or like we are entitled to have an opinion or whatever on like before social media came about I don't think we gave it a thought like we'd worry about what our friends were doing or we would see it had relevance to our lives but what somebody in another city or another part of the planet was doing we didn't really put that into our own framework of life we were just kind of going about our business and now we're so used to going well I don't agree with that what's this person and it's that's become I think really noisy and I find that very stressful yeah definitely I always think like sometimes when I'm like going for my phone I think I've absorbed so much information today which I think when I was a teenager I never absorbed that much information in a day which makes me think what effect is that having on my brain is it good that I'm taking so much information or is it actually a bit overwhelming is that why I feel tired today because <laughs> I've been thinking so much about what's going on here there and everywhere we've normalized it Joe don't you think like we've yeah. normalized this insane level of like a bombardment of information and I was talking to a friend about it yesterday who'd been through a rocky time and he had said to me oh, I don't really feel ready to deal with the real world yet and I thought that's so interesting because we have normalized being in like the real world inverted commas we now associate with knowing everything knowing what everyone's had for their breakfast where everyone is what's going on culturally politically in a pop culture sense and if we don't know all of that stuff then we're somehow ignorant or shutting off and, and I don't think we are I don't think it's normal for us to know all of that and I sort of said to my mate I don't know if you need to deal with it all just if you're going through something just deal with your own thing you're not being ignorant or shutting out the world you're just dealing with what everybody would have been dealing with say 50 years ago where you you looked after the people in your life and you made sure that the people that you could reach were okay but now we're expected to have this sort of and it's not a bad thing in a sense to have like a global empathy or an understanding, but all day, every day, I don't know if that's normal. Yeah, I, I think especially like with, with, with my stuff, like when I started, I said from day one, my, uh, even going back to when we, were, like when we were kids, you know, we wanted to entertain. That's all, we've, all we wanted to do. We're, my videos are there to put a smile on people's faces, hope they get a laugh out of it. If they do, job done. Do you know what I mean, I'm not, I'm not here to sort of get involved in dramas and do like serious videos in a way. I don't really like getting too serious in my content ever. It's not my thing. It's not what I've, I've never done it. So uh, I just I just try and keep it all like super positive because as well, I think a lot of people, they message me being like, it's so nice that I really like that you sort of, you know, you, that, that with your streams and your videos that you're, you you keep it all so like fun and friendly and, and a nice vibe because then I it's a bit of escapism for them because there's so many people that watch, watch your videos that, 
are probably going through quite a tough time themselves and and maybe trying to escape a lot of like negativity in their lives and so when they come across my videos or you know whoever's videos it may be and it you know makes them feel a, like they've sort of forget it for a while that's like a job done tick that's what my stuff's kind of all about yeah it's definitely going to stay that way it's never going to change that's such a good thing because we need it and again like none of us should feel guilty that we're reaching for escapism especially if you know you're personally going through something or if it's the global situation we're living through now you know escapism can sometimes have negative connotations but isn't it surely just reaching for joy you've chosen to reach for joy in that moment whether it's listening to a brilliant song watching a youtube video watching your favorite nostalgic tv show whatever it might be escapism is just you choosing joy surely mm -hmm. i think some people, some people forget as well that although we are all human we're all different from each other and we all handle things differently and we all if we were all the same we'd be, all be robots and we're not, we're not robots, luckily. I don't think so anyway. So for me, it's like, especially with, like with, with the whole sort of pandemic stuff, it got to a point where we used to stop watching the news because it was so, every day it was, although we obviously care about what's going on and things like that, it was just, for, for me especially, it was a bit like, I will find out what's going on through my mum on the phone because she always puts it nicely, and you know, like a, like a mum would, you know, like keep me up to date, but not in a kind of massive sort of like, this is all going... To, going to pot and this that and the other so then I'm I'm up to date with what's going on in the world but I'm not you know I'm, I just do it in a way which works best for me I guess yeah which again that is a choice we should all be able to make without yeah. any judgment because it's not only what you can cope with mentally but it's also you know a lot of the time and I think I can use this generalizing statement it's how much fear-mongering we're willing to take on because we've decided that news only equates to negative. Like, you know, when have you watched the news or read a newspaper and seen anything remotely positive? I can't think of the last thing. So, and you, like you say, you can choose how you want to be informed, where you want to get that from. You can still have empathy for others, connection, but how much of the fear you want to take on? I think, again, like that's got to be up to us. That's our, that's our choice. Um, going back to the, the sort of thought around how much outside opinion you've been willing to take on and something I think about a lot because I've you know dealt with it in horrible ways over the years at times have you ever found that because that is part of your job is to look at feedback work out how you might maybe do things differently but how you might progress in what you're doing or change up what you're doing have you ever found yourself in moments where you've diluted your own personality or pulled back or self-edited whilst you were speaking because there is that sort of subconscious worry about or second guessing what people will say uh yeah I think so I think de definitely I mean I don't know whether it's just because I've got gotten older and things like that but like there's been moments where I watch back for a vlog and think I just don't know if this is funny I don't know if I'm I think I've lost my touch I'm not funny anymore <laughs> there's been moments where I've said like, why, why am I not funny anymore what like when when the camera's not on I'm funny, but when I put the camera on, it's almost like a bit of like, sometimes a bit of like a, right, okay, I've got almost, I, I think I overthink too much. I think that's what it is. I, I overthink more now than I did when I first started. And I don't, I don't quite know why that is to the point where sometimes I'm editing a video and I'll be ready to tick it live. And I'd be like, okay, I'm going to watch it through one more time to make sure that there's um, no parcels into like blur out or things like that. Do you know what I mean? Because my head is just thinking like, is there anything that, I, that still needs to be taken out or bits that I don't want to put in and things like that? So it's like, it definitely does sort of get into your head a bit, I think, more so now. Uh, does that spill over into your personal life? Do you ever find yourself 
worrying what you know your friends are thinking your family are thinking about you because I've had moments where I've definitely I've taken that too far and I've worried so much that then I've found myself having those thoughts in just everyday interactions yeah I think so I think that the weird thing with me is I've noticed is that my voice doesn't carry like I've got a really sort of in the background kind of voice so usually when if I'm in any sort of group conversation if I ever try and get a word in I can't get through my sentence without someone else cutting in <laughs> and I, I've only sort of like recently noticed it and I watched back and then and Diane takes a mick at me when it happens because she notices straight away if we're in a conversation with a lot of people I go say something she almost counts she goes one two and she'll see how long it takes for <laughs> someone like you know finishes my sentence for me or or cuts me off and I'm like and it is quite funny but I feel like in real life it it probably has had an effect on me I think how I how I interact it depends it depends who I'm with actually because like when I was with my friends for example at the weekend I felt very sort of like back to like sort of my old self because I think because I've been around them since, since I was at school it did sort of put me back to sort of like a time where I felt very very comfortable with the people that I'm around and things like that but I think around meeting new people I, I've always been quite a shy person and it takes me a while to get to know someone well enough for me to sort of come out my shell and be weird with them in a way, in a way, I guess. It's good when you're comfy enough to be weird with people. I love that moment. Exactly, yeah. So like with my family, it's like that. With my friends from back home, it's like that. Obviously with my with my girlfriend, it's like that. And so that for me is like the most important thing, especially like when I'm when it, when you're out and about and you get stopped by someone who watches your watches your videos or, you know, see me on on telly or something. Straight away I do get that kind of like it's it's almost like you enter like a fight or flight mode. Not that I'm saying I'm ever going to fight anyone <laughs> that comes up to say hello to me and ask for a picture. <laughs> but like you do sort of get on that sort of a little bit on edge of like not knowing what they're going to say to you. Because the thing is, they, they watch your stuff and have done for so long. They feel like they know you really well. But as much as you appreciate every single person that, you know, that takes time out to watch your stuff, you don't know anything about this person. And for me, I'm quite socially in those situations. I can be quite socially awkward. So there's been times where people have stopped me and asked for a picture and I've just sort of been like, uh, like don't know what to do kind of like really after some like ah oh. <laughs> you're in a strange position because you are you are now your brand like you have become a brand yeah. so yeah where's the distinction between joe and the brand like do you because that's a moment where you'd have to confront that like oh my god i'm i'm a brand but i'm also a human who's just walking to the supermarket right now but you're met with both you know do you struggle with that is there a very different joe at home to the one that we might be presented with on on youtube i mean i would say so i mean in all my content i guess it's always like a sort of heightened version of myself and you you'll sort of know probably from like presenting as well especially with like the, the kids tv stuff you've got to sort of give it that extra bit of energy haven't you and stuff like that so oh, yeah. i've an, an annoying amount yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I've, I, I sort of <laughs> feel like i've done that through through my youtube videos like, i feel like in real life when, when the camera's not on i think I am a bit more sort of maybe subdued. Like, for example, I do a big thing on my channel was doing impressions, uh, like impressions of like cartoon characters and stuff. And if people ask me in the streets to do like a, an impression, I'm always like, no, sorry, it's not, oh, not going to happen. I'm God. always sort of like, I feel like I kind of go into a bit of like a dad mode being like, oh, no, like <laughs> uh, it takes me ages to sort of to get it right. You know, I've got I have to, to get in the first, zone. Sorry. Yeah. And oh, it's like, no. there are some people that can just do it and they just, can really sort of turn it on and it sort of know when they're going out they're going out and they are going to get stopped by a lot of people and they're fully prepared for it but I feel like still for me I don't really expect it so when it does happen it's always still a bit of like a, oh god like yeah especially when they shout at you you get some that are really they sort of 
come over with their mum or something and they're so sweet and so lovely and you get some that like almost like bark at you like shout your name in the street and every time it makes me jump because I'm like like thinking like oh god what have I done wrong someone's like shouting at me in the street it does put you on edge a little bit I've quite enjoyed in a way being able to sort of if you do want to sort of get around undetected the, the mask thing there's been times where I'm like, do you know what? This mask is staying. Very handy. Might get one for my eyes as well, yeah. my ears, yeah. and my head. I, I went, I went to a boot sale the other day on my own. This is, this is what my life's become since Diane's gone to Australia. I went to a boot sale on my own because normally when I'm with Diane, she's got, she's got bright orange hair. They can sort of think, is that them? And then they see the hair and think it must be. So they'll, they'll come up to us and we're always like, how do you know it's us with our masks on? But the boot sale just went around the whole thing completely undetected. It was, uh, and it was in a weird way. It was a bit like a. I felt, I felt a bit. That felt very normal. Felt like did I was, you buy anything? Did you get any bargains? I, I did get a few bargains. Yeah. What'd you and get? I could haggle. As well. I have a mask on, so I could haggle. I could haggle <laughs> down and not get not get judged. Is that Joe from Strictly haggling down a five pounds on a to three pounds on a watering can? <laughs> <laughs> did you get the watering can? I got two watering cans. Oh yeah. joy! I oh, use planters for plants. Oh God, I love it! I love that. <laughs> Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's lots of stats floating around and we never particularly know how valid they are. But one that I would assume is probably quite accurate is that half half of all children out there who have taken part in some sort of survey would like to be YouTubers when they grow up. How, well, how does that make you feel, knowing the good and the ugly side of it all? I, I think I mean, I think it's I think it's great. I think if they're, you know, if they're creative and they genuinely have a passion for it especially when they're so young, because I don't know how old these kids are that are doing these surveys. I think as long as their parents are sort of aware of it and know what the pros and cons of it can be, then I think it's fine. But there, there are some people that I think what didn't happen when we first started was, I mean, I was, I think I was like 19, 20 when I first started my YouTube channel. So by then I was already starting to sort of get out my teenage phase and go into becoming like a young adult. Whereas there's some kids now that are, huge at the age of like 14 15 sometimes even younger than that and I just I just sort of think I hope that they are being managed correctly and have like the right people around them to make sure that it's not too much because there are going to be struggles are going to be up up and down moments with with anything like any any sort of job I guess I just hope that they are equipped for that and sort of know because it's, it's such a young age to sort of become a I think especially on certain platforms, you get some of them that sort of go viral for a bit, which is kind of like not what we had as well. Like I guess with us, we sort of grew our fan base gradually and they were so like invested in us as people rather than what we were known for from that one video, which I think helped us massively. But there's, you know, there's some people that have an overnight success with like a certain viral moment or a, a certain dance they do and things like that. And then as fast as it gets huge and big and everyone's talking about it, it drops off again. And then it's like, I always worry about what that does to a young mind. Because if I was that age and the whole world knew about me for a day and then I became old news and no one cared anymore and actually 
to the point where some people are actually really nasty. Whenever they post something else in the future, they're just like, oh, no one cares about you anymore. You get over it. That was so like last year. And like some people can be absolutely brutal in, in those comment sections. And I just think even me now at this age, I think that for me would be a bit like, I'm, I'm pretty tough on that stuff. Like uh, there's not many things that can sort of get to me through the comments because I, I kind of understand like the internet is it's like a wild west. Like no one's held accountable for like, what they say and do and things like that. But I think if I was that age, I think it would have a big effect on my mental health. I think it'd be devastating. So like, I just hope that the the parents or whoever's in charge is sort of keeping an eye on it or they're sort of being managed well and sort of they've got people that they can sort of have with them to sort of help them through their career choice if it goes that way. But the thing is like nowadays, I think if I tried to become a YouTuber now, I wouldn't be able to get anywhere near the sort of size that I got to. I think it was... It, it was definitely a case of I had some good ideas and hopefully I was entertaining enough. But I also there was that element of right place, right time because no one else was doing it. And so we were sort of like the, I guess like in a way, like the pioneers of that kind of movement. Time moves so fast on the internet as well, which is, um, it's all quite scary, but I think- It it's, terrifies it's... the shit out of me, Joe. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie, like it really, it really scares me, you know. Yeah. I've got stepkids who are on social media and they're, they're pretty sensible actually. I'm really, I'm sort of chuffed at, at how they deal with it. And my kids are too young, thank God, to have even a phone right now. But it really scares me for the future because I think the bit that scares me, because we all know it, like this stuff isn't going anywhere. You know, we can we can talk about it and whatever, but I, it's not going to, we can't turn back time as much as sometimes I sort of wish we could. I, I feel like quite old saying that, but sometimes I think, oh, it'd be so much easier if we didn't have social media in ways it's a lovely way to connect at times but there are so many flaws still that we're not dealing with and what's changed so much is where we place our self-worth we've put it at times entirely in the hands of others like please everybody out there validate me and tell me that I'm okay as a human and then I will feel it rather than feeling it first putting yourself out there and then going, it doesn't matter what the opinion is. And we're so far from that, all of us. You know, even I, I'm going to be, I talk about this all the time, how old I am on the podcast, but we're turning 40 this year and it's, you know, I feel like it's going to be a, a sort of a big moment and hopefully I'll have learned some lessons from this last decade. But I know, if I'm honest, this sort of thing does still affect me if I don't feel accepted as who I am or validated. And I don't want that for me, let alone my kids. And as you just said there, it is a wild west. Like, it is still very ungoverned in what you can say, how freely you can comment on someone in a really unwarranted way. Like, this is a big question because it's a huge problem. But, like, what do you have any idea of what the steps forward, the positive step forward could be for us to stop the negative cycle we're in with that or look to move into a more positive area of change? Obviously, there's definitely things that can be done. Like when you, I think when we when we look back in like a hundred years' time, because uh, we'll, we'll both still be around then. We will, I promise. Right. <laughs> in a hundred years' time, we'll look back and we'll, we'll look back on like the early days of social media, and we'll look back in the history books and be like, how crazy was it? Like how it used to be back in the early days. And I I feel like we're probably a similar sort of generation where we remember what life was like before the internet yeah and you know you had a diary that you write it was in. better so you'd write it was better yeah it, yeah well yeah you had di- you kept diaries so like if you were gonna 
slag off your mate, you'd write it in a diary. You wouldn't do, you know, a TikTok. <laughs> exactly. Like, a, a, you wouldn't make a diss track about your mates, mm. like publicly, where everyone can see it and makes things ten times worse. So you know, you'd, you'd write your diary or tell your mates on MSN, like privately or whatever. One thing that I have noticed is that I think Instagram have done that's really good, and I I do hope that other social medias follow suit is they, there's a, a new feature where you can block someone, but you can then block any future account that they make, that person makes, which I think is brilliant because then it means that that person, whenever they try, because I'm, I'm guessing this is what the, the trolls do, is that they, they make an account, they get blocked, they're like, yes, I got recognised, they've seen it, I know they've seen it, so I'm going to make another one and then just keep this up and just keep getting blocked and just keep going till I get this person to breaking point. But if they can't do that, every time they make a new account, they're blocked. I think that's a good, that's a step in the right direction, at least so far. There's a lot of people that say, obviously, you know, with making any social media account, you've got to link your your identification to it, like your passport or something. There's the arguments for and against that. But I mean, there, I think there will be positive changes. I, I know, I know, obviously, I've been on YouTube for so long. And I know as a platform, they do make, they, you know, they do listen to they listen to me anyway sometimes when I talk to them. So they listen to me a lot, but they listen to creators and stuff. They do take things on board. I think obviously with big, big, you know, they're, they're huge corporations, they're massive companies. To get things from customer feedback to actually making a change, obviously it's going to take a bit of time. But I know that, you know, all these social medias are hopefully going to make these these changes in the future to sort of make it more of a safer place, I think, for for creators and for other users of their of their apps. I mean, I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon until, you know, those kind of changes are made because even like there's, there's videos that I watch sometimes where I'm like, where I've, I've got the video playing, but I'm reading the comments because I can't remember the last time I watched a video or saw a social media post and there was not an argument in the comments about something. And I was, and I was like, this is actually like getting to the point now where like, when, I, when I started and when, we, when me and sort of my group all started, there was, there was none of that. It was like, you look back and it was like when we were doing our thing, it was such a nicer time and like it felt a lot nicer. Like whereas now I feel like there's there's a lot. But the thing is it could just be like one person with like a million accounts. And in that case, I just feel like I I, I feel sad for them because I'm like they that that it's clearly like a reflection on a self reflection that they're taking out on on someone else. I think it is a bit that Joe, but I also think that we're in a time where we where collectively we think that venting publicly is well again we've sort of normalized it because you would never dare do it's like road rage isn't it you'd never dare go up to someone in the street and say i vehemently disagree with your beliefs on this you just wouldn't you wouldn't have the guts i mean most people wouldn't but you can very quietly and privately do these things then obviously they're not private when they come out but you don't have to deal with the repercussion in the flesh with all senses and emotions firing and it's made it too easy for people to have really big discussions based usually on sort of tidbits of information rather than the full story based on assumption rather than fact and it gets messy and because it's become so normalized I think I think with all this stuff, all social media and how we now communicate in the digital world, it's actually changed the way we think because, you know, you can look at the self-worth stuff we've talked about and you can see how we've handed over our self-worth to others. And I and I hope we can go back in time. You know, we're not going to change very quickly how social media works, but can we change our mindset to go, 
no, no, I'm going to be the creator of my self-worth. And likewise with conversation, we've we've changed mentally to go, this is a place for me to vent so that I feel better when I'm offline. And again, like, shouldn't we be looking for places to vent where it's actually helpful, useful? I don't know, maybe just going punching the hell out of a punch bag or I don't know, just doing something else where I think we've just normalised all of it. So I think, like, you know, you've just brilliantly said there's there's problems that these big companies are looking to rectify but also on a cultural level we've got to look at how our minds have changed and we've got to work out if we can start conversations to claw the some of these older concepts back that perhaps like you said felt like it was a nicer time and I I agree I don't think I don't think we're being rose tinted when we hark back to those eras where we might have still been bitching behind people's backs or saying mean things but it but it might have not been directly really affecting and hurting other people. And, you know, and one of the things that I really just find hard to sit with is the huge anxiety rates for teenagers right now. And we can kind of pretend that it's not a lot to do with social media, but it probably definitely is. Yeah. Like what you're going back to about the, the sort of, you wouldn't go chatting, chatting at people in the street. It's I feel like it's kind of like that on social media sometimes where they're, you know, People can find like-minded people about the nichest things. I always have this analogy of like, can you imagine living in the village, right? You're living in a small village and someone's going around being like, just shouting, I hate a certain type of car. It's going around screaming, I hate this brand of car. Like you would think, all right, mate, chill out. It's, yeah, it's a car, like whatever. But like if they had social media, they could find another hundred people that also hate that brand of car. And they build like a kind of, I guess, like a community within themselves. And it's, it's I can imagine it's quite a toxic environment because they all, they, they've sort of, they've come together through something they all hate together. And by that, they, they also, you get that egging on of like, and feeling like you've got, you found like a community in that. And then you go around attacking the car brand. And because of the group of you now, because of the power of the internet, bringing everyone together from all over the world that hate this certain brand of car, it feels like it's very powerful. But a lot of the time it's the... Bark is bigger than the bike. It is because the 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 going back to your car analogy here, Joe. Um, <laughs> the the car is irrelevant. They have yeah. hatred about something. It may be in their past or the world, and the car becomes the vent. So it's yeah. the same with anything, you know. Like, why are we all trying to like the same stuff and have the same mindset? Like as you said earlier on, we're all different. We're always going to think differently. We've had different lives. We've had different upbringings where we might have grown up in a different culture or whatever it is but we need to have an appreciation that everybody has a different outlook on life and a different feeling to life and to have an element of respect that we're all just going to think a bit differently like I think it was this is a random thing to say but I think it was Dieter Von Tees who said you could it might not be for some reason I think it is (laughs) said something like you could give someone a bowl of the most beautiful juicy peaches and there'll always be someone in the room who hates peaches and we'll make it and known it's like, as well so, and we'll make know. it known and we'll throw those peaches in your face and it's like fine hate peaches no bother like cool and i feel like we're putting ourselves out we're doing so many metaphors here but we're putting ourselves out as the bowl of peaches like here i am i'm gorgeous i'm amazing look how amazing i am on instagram and then if not everybody says i agree with you we feel dented and awful and then you say like there's these pockets of people that gather through hate and have a, a hateful community and then that arrives oh it's a mess it's the wild west as you said yeah, I, I mean, I know people, I've known people that, although they get 
you know, thousands of like lovely comments on a post or a video or something. I know I'm watching them and they're searching for that one negative comment. And it's like, why do you search for the negative when you've got all this positive here? Like, why do you care about the one negative? But it's hard because you're putting yourself out there. In a way, you're always going to get the one or two people that that will throw us around the works. And a, and a lot of the time they're, you know, they're young and they're just doing it for a laugh or something, trying to get like a bit of, you know, trying to get likes on their own comment or something like that. Or sometimes it's just the interaction. Some people want an interaction, be it positive or negative. So I always sort of say, look, if you, if you do see anyone, because I, I, I very rarely see it myself, but if I do see anyone that is sort of saying anything nasty to, to me and my stuff, well, the worst thing that my audience could do is defend me in a way. Because then they're sort of like, they're giving that person exactly what they want. They're getting that interaction and that confrontation. They get the attention that they're, that they're craving. Yeah. So like for me, it's always been from day one, it's always ignore, always. I've never, I've never responded to it, never will. It's just not something I'd, I'd rather respond to the nice people than the, the nasty ones. It's a very sensible way of looking at things. I know you obviously have your own management company now as well, where you look after uh, young YouTube fledglings. Do you offer up, you know, is that part of what you want to offer these sort of newbies on the block, the the confidence and also the support to be able to deal with that sort of interaction? Definitely, yeah. But I think I think because because our management company, I don't think, I'm not sure if it is now, but we're one of the first sort of like talent-led in, in the sort of like, I guess, like the digital space. And big part of that was, you know, obviously me and my co-founder Casper, who was also he was my roommate beforehand and has been a friend since I sort of started YouTube. The big thing for us is that we've sort of been through a lot on our journey over the last ten years of riding this wave of of YouTube and online success. And so for anyone sort of up and coming, it's like it's really important to us that we're always about for a chat if they need it on any of those sort of topics. Anything sort of business related as well, like there's anything they're sort of thinking of going off into alongside the sort of social media stuff, you know, we're there to sort of help them, but also give our advice on that. Because a lot of the time there have been stuff that we've either done ourselves or know someone from our sort of era that have done it as well. And we can sort of say, oh, when we did this, watch out for this because this will come back to bite you in the long run or something like that. But another part of that is to be there for them whenever they need, like if they ever need like a chat, or, you know, are dealing with any sort of negativity or stuff like that to sort of give our our take on it and let them know like what we've learned and how it can hopefully help them too. Now you're moving into, I guess, a, a new era, not that you're sort of saying goodbye to anything, but you're moving into a new era and you're acting more and you, you sign up to do a film as well. Does that feel like a bit of a relief that there's you don't have to have that constant interaction with an audience so directly in that role? Yeah, it, it is different. I mean, it's really different in the sense that I feel like I'm, I'm like a small part now of a bigger machine. And I think the first time I did that was signing up to do Strictly Come Dancing. And that because I've been on stage in front of thousands and thousands of people. I've done tours. I'm used to being in front of like a, a big crowd. But that's always people that are there to see to see me or to see me in like the group that I'm with and things like that. So you know that everyone there's bought a ticket and are there for for you and to be entertained by you so it gives you that kind of like okay right they're, they're, they're obviously a you know a fan of us they love like they like us because they're here do you know what I mean so with Strictly it was different because the first time I went out in front of an, a, like a live audience like of that size and I knew that these people aren't all here for me they're here for the show and that I'm like a very small piece of a bigger thing that everyone's here for it got easier at the final because I was like okay right I feel like I've got more people now that are watching me. They're here for me. They, yeah, They're here for yeah, me. I hope so. <laughs> or one, one four. One four for these people are here for me. But 
that was the first time of sort of being in front of a crowd and thinking, oh God, like I feel very out of my depth here. And like, I felt, I felt like I'd started again from scratch of like, I feel like I've started a new job, like first day at school kind of vibes. I, I feel like I do sort of have that, I guess, with the, with the acting stuff and the, and the theatre stuff as well. It's It was that thing of like, even though I've got all these millions of fans and hits on all these different videos and stuff, in my head, that means nothing because I feel like I'm a completely different kettle of fish and I've started again from scratch. Even though a lot, you know, m- most of these people do come over and support me in anything I do, which is amazing and I really appreciate it. You're still then exposed to a brand new audience of like the sort of traditional side of like the media and stuff, which is um, does sort of feel like almost like starting again in a sense. Well, good luck with it. I think it's brilliant, and I'm I'm really chuffed that you're doing all these new things and you're you're trying all of these new experiences. It's it's truly exciting, and I'm really chuffed for you. And um, and it's been so I totally lost track of time. It's been so interesting to sort of get your insight because it's something I worry about a lot with you know how young people are dealing with this stuff. You know, let alone my age group but certainly youngsters and um it's it's really good to sort of hear your your thoughts on it and your perspective so thank you so much joe and and good luck with everything in the future thank you yes we'll do a part two sometime we're gonna need to (laughs) (laughs) oh thank you lovely joe you lovely person that was just really fun and a sunshine chat i loved it And I hope Joe's given you that little final push you need to start that new thing you've been wanting to do. Don't worry about what other people might think. Honestly, they are too busy worrying about themselves anyway. Just you can drop that one. I'm saying this as much for me as I am for you. It's very liberating once you let go of all that fear and judgment. And it's exactly what Joe's been doing. Joe's brilliant single, Wild Things, is out now. Come and tell us what's been bringing you joy recently on Instagram. I would love that. Hop over to at Happy Place Official. It'd be lovely to hear from you and great to have you as part of the community. And while you're here, make sure you've clicked that little follow button on your podcast app of choice so that you're back with us next week for a brand new episode. Until then, a massive thank you again to Joe Sugg, to the producer Anushka Tate at Rethink Audio, and to you lovely people, you wonderful, brave, brilliant lot. I love you being here. Thank you so much. I will see you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.